How was your week this week? Oh gosh, it was eventful. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, this is, this is a good start. What what happened? What was your week like? Oh, uh, I mean, nothing really exciting. It's just because it's midterm week right now at my school, so it's just figuring out how to get assignments ready, critiques, and everything. And yeah, so it was it was it's interesting in terms of getting ready to like for break, and then yeah, I've also been wanting to getting ready to paint this weekend. So like everything I've been doing is to like to work on it now. So this weekend and fall break, I can just paint and do nothing else, you know? Nice. Oh, yeah. I, I remember the balancing independent work and coursework and midterms all the same when I was when I was in school. It was it was really difficult. Um, how do you feel that you've been able to like find the like balance between what you can do for school and what you can do for yourself? Uh, it's been kind of interesting because. I honestly don't really think I have a balance. I just, I I kind of like take a break from one thing, work on the other, or I procrastinate a lot. So everything is pretty much almost last minute, but I get it done and the work is not bad. It could be better. But even my professor was like, you prefer working on your own stuff than school stuff. And I was like, yeah. So <laughs> unless the projects for my classes are very interesting, then I'll put all my heart into it. But if not, then it shows, which is kind of it's kind of weird, to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> no, I used to feel the same way. I think even my like high school art teacher would say to me, like, you know, you, you do great work, but you don't really like to follow the prompt. Or if you do, like, I can tell your heart isn't into it. So do you feel that going like to art school and, and to a certain extent, it uh, limits creative expression or it like confines you in any specific way? Ooh, um. It can, to be honest, because you do have to follow a certain um, routine or regime or the project requirements. Um, and like, because right now I'm, I'm not personally in art school. I go to an art program at HBCU where I live. Uh, but I did attend a previous art school, SCAD, for about a year. And even though during that time, our freshman year, we only took foundation classes um, and gen ed classes, um, even then, you can still get something out of them, even if it's not what you wanted to do. Because, like, I know some freshmen don't want to do these gen ed classes or foundation classes. They want to jump right into their major classes or curriculum for whatever they want to pursue after college. Um, so, like, I wanted to be, I want to be an illustrator. I immediately wanted to do illustration classes. But I knew that, and the school knew too, obviously, <laughs> that you can't do that without the foundation classes. So, even though... It is kind of like, okay, I want to do something else. It, it is beneficial. Um, but I can see how it does hinder creativity in a way because you learn one thing from these classes and you want to explore it into your own personal work. But when the time is kind of restrictive, you really can't do so until like during break or after um, graduation or during the summer, you know? Right, right. You You really have to like make that time when you're doing something else, you know, that takes up most of your time because you, you don't have that freedom to just sort of do what you want or attend to your artwork with the amount of hours that you might want to. Yeah. So um, I get you. You said that you went to SCAD for a year. Was there anything specifically that led you to make the change? Because that was actually a school that um, I had considered going to when I was applying to colleges, but I didn't end up going there. And then I heard a variety of different experiences from people who had attended. And I was just curious if you might be able to open up about that a little bit. 
Yeah, so SCAD was pretty much my dream school when I was a senior in high school. Because uh, about the end of junior year, I knew I wanted to be an artist. And I was like, I want to go to SCAD. Because for one, it's it was because I lived in Georgia uh, most of my life. And, um, and, you know, when it comes to college, it's easier to go to school in your state for that in-state tuition. That's so, why I went to FIT. I know how it goes. Exactly. It's just easier on the college yep. and just everything else. So, but I knew I wanted to go to um, be an artist and going to art school was like my dream. And at first it was hard getting there because one thing about art schools, they're not cheap and they'll never be cheap. So, um, and, but luckily um, my parents have so much support in me or they believe in me so much that my mom, especially, she worked really hard to get me into SCAD. Even if it was for one year, she really did a good job of doing so. And I'll always thank her for that. And, um, yeah, so going to SCAD was just, it was great. I, I loved it, to be honest. It was a really great school. It did have its uh, <laughs> flaws that were very noticeable. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was, just, it was really great. I learned a lot from my first year. And I have, like, at least one professor that I remember to this day who really pushed me forward into my creativity. Um, even though some of my topics she may not understand completely, she really pushed me towards it and supported me fully and that was just it was a great step into what I want to do and now being at HBCU I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who want to do the same thing and who are very supportive it was a small program so we're all really uh what's the word like a small community yeah really close really really close um and it's just it's really it's really nice to be in that type of environment compared to the competitiveness of SCAD you know yeah yeah definitely i i think um there's a lot of like i guess novel there's like a very novel approach to going somewhere for like a more small like dedicated program than going somewhere where that's like literally the entire like atmosphere of the school or the institution that you're going to it's like a very specific distinction yeah um, was there any one particular class that uh, enhanced or motivated you to be more creative than the others that you were taking at the time? Yes, uh, color theory and design. And, and, and then the drawing class too. But I really loved the color theory class because um, my work is really focused on color theory and to learn about how it accumulated and over time in like art history, how it's become a huge thing and how it's experimented with, it's really interesting to me. So color theory and design was my my go-to classes. Nice. Uh, I love your work. It is extremely colorful. I'm always a bigger fan of, of colorful work. That is my personal bias. I'm a very colorful, colorful person, and I love <laughs> work that displays a lot of color. So through your studies of color theory, what are you... What do you believe to be the strongest principles of color theory that you apply to your work or feel most tied to? I really do think the color harmonies, like complementary, analogous, um, triadic, are one of the best parts of color theory because it does show the relationship between these colors. Like my my one of my favorite complementary my complements is orange and blue, and violet and uh, violet and yellow. No, violet and green. No, which one is it? I'm thinking of like uh what's the one red violet and then yellow green that's my favorite one and then you have the orange and the blue because um when you put them together they're either very contrasting 
or the harmony is very in sync or when you put them together you get like a brown or a gray so it's really interesting to see those colors intertwine with each other especially based on how you apply them as well like you can do you can add a tint to them you can add a tone or a shade and then the value when you add value to them whether you want it to be subtle and very intense and personally for me i like the intense value when it comes to art it's it can be incredible and you have so many ways to go about it Oh, definitely. I'm pinning some of your work to the top right now. I um, I always get very scared to do this, that I'm going to hit the wrong button while <laughs> I'm co-hosting. So just give me one moment here while I, while I tend to this. But thank you for answering the questions so thoughtfully. I think harmony is something that is extremely important in artwork. And I think that there's a lot of um, harmony amidst the chaos or all of the detailed elements of your work. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Do you feel that you have a specific color palette? Um, obviously, I can I can see through your work that there is a very uh, large emphasis on different colors. Do you feel that there are any colors that you feel yourself specifically going back to on a regular basis? Mm, I think before I was really tied to uh, like magentas and blues and yellows. But now, um, now that my work has like changed over time, my color schemes are coming a little bit darker for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's just the art evolution going on. But I really am drawn to, what's the word of the color? Like a darker sage green. Um, okay. Periwinkle. And then a very, very dark violet. I don't know why, but I love those colors right now. <laughs> They're my Do favorite. Do any specific colors uh have like any consistent specific meaning in your work or do things always change based on the pieces that you're creating um it usually changes but my go-to is especially if i want to add intense highlights is either a yellow or a tinted yellow because i really really pops against some colors and i love adding a glow effect to my work Okay, and so there are definitely specific elements that you enjoy adding uh, to your work. Is there any technique in particular when you're doing these that you enjoy the most? Uh, blending modes. I just go. I kind of like got into them. I think sometime last year, the blending modes. And personally, they're on Photoshop, but I've been using Procreate, so the blending modes are blending modes are more accessible, and when you kind of use them against the colors to see which ones look good, which one doesn't work out for the piece. It's just, it's so fun to play with the colors like that, especially like the um, blending mode, what's it called? Color dodge, divide, add, because they really brighten everything up. I love those blending modes. They're my, my go-to ones. Yeah. I, I, I love messing around with all the different little like features and and layering options that procreate has available to uh its users what um would you say the procreate is like your favorite program that you're using yes that's my girl right there i i love procreate because previous- awesome. it's so good because previously i used photoshop um and that's not bad but the way i was using it it was hurting my back because i was touching over drawing on a different tablet looking at my computer and so I had no support. <laughs> I was just leaning down, sketching on this um, separate tablet like, into my computer. And that really just like caused me back problems. But then uh, once I was able to like afford an iPad, I downloaded Procreate and it just completely changed my life. And I love her so much. <laughs>
I think I think a lot of people uh, can agree with you in this digital era. I think uh, Procreate added a lot of accessibility for people uh, to like have a high powered program for a relatively uh, low price point, even if an iPad can be uh, on the more expensive side. Do you think that there is any sort of specific challenges related to accessibility in the digital art world right now? Or is that something you see as lessening as we've progressed? I personally do think it's lessening because um, with what, for example, Procreate is a lot more accessible than Photoshop or the Adobe Suite could ever be right now. It's literally $10 on the iPad. Granted, the iPad is not cheap itself, but if you can afford that too and then get Procreate, it's pretty great, you know? True. And, then, and it's definitely cheaper to get an iPad yeah. than a standalone computer. That's something I didn't even consider. It's like either way, no matter what, you need some sort of entry point to start doing digital artwork. Exactly. So bringing the topic to more digital artwork, would you mind taking us through a little bit of your story when it comes to NFTs and, and Web3, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, totally. Um, So it was around, I think late summer of 2020 um i got an email from super rare and i had no idea who they were i've seen them around the timeline a few times um uh, because a few of the people i was following were already on the platform but when i got the email i was like who is this <laughs> this is a scam because you know they're talking about you know eth and cryptocurrency and i'm like this has to be a scam but i went for it anyway when i did some more research and that was my first platform and that was a pretty successful era to be in. And then um, that led to opportunities like work, having a, a, a show with them. I got to work on, on the Gen Z uh, exhibition thing with them with um, Mercy Pin, uh, Jonathan Wolf, Ferocious, all of them. It was pretty great. And Harvey too, Harvey, Harv and TM, who's also a part of it. Uh, what else? And that led to other stuff as well. I got to be a part of other galleries and everything. And then I made my move to foundation. And that also allowed me to like start my first series on there. And and what's cool too is just I was able to meet other artists and become friends with them as well. Um and also collect art too, because art is literally my world. Like I have art around me right now on my walls. And it's just I love being surrounded by art and also to be able to support other artists' friends too, or just other other artists I believe in. It was just a great thing to be a part of, to be honest. Yeah, I I would agree. I, I really love this like sort of renaissance that seems to be blossoming in front of our eyes. And I feel like each of us plays like our own unique role in it. And we directly have a hand in it, which I think is really cool and not really something that we've seen at such a scale before in the in the art world, which is yeah. beautiful. Um, so you were talking about how you actually got your, you were approached by Super Rare. That was how you got your start. Um, I would say that that's fairly different from a lot of people uh, who have had experiences dealing with Super Rare. Is there anything that you feel made your work stand out to them in, in terms of a uh, curator sense? Hmm. I honestly, I I think it's the colors that drew them in, as well as the... Um, the vulnerable not vulnerable but the approach to my work was very open and could be relatable to anybody especially this one piece I did in the summer um because it was like during the height of COVID and everyone's inside we missed our friends and stuff so that piece was inspired about missing our friends 
uh, and wanting to be with them, reminiscing on our memories with the people we love the most. And that piece, I think, is probably to this day, like in terms of context, one of my best ones. And I think that's what drew them in was the context of my work at the time and like the look of it as well, like color schemes and everything. That's very interesting. Do you feel that your work um, has like more direct meanings or do you feel that it's more open for interpretation to the viewer or is that something that varies on a piece by piece basis for you? Um, I personally think it varies. Um, I, I really do like telling stories in my work. Maybe not so before, but I do now. And um, But I do think in between the phases of my art style, it's pretty much open to however you want to take it. But I think now it does have like a direct, a direct aspect to them. Nice. So as I was looking through your pieces and some of the descriptions tied to them, I noticed again a more common theme that... F- like just looking back on the artists that I've already spoken with during these interviews, your descriptions are fairly brief. Is is there any specific reason that uh, you have done this yourself or is there a reason why you feel artists do this in general? Mm, I think when it comes to like having a brief description, the artists doesn't want to put too much out there. They want to leave the rest to the viewer's imagination and ideas because again, it's all up for interpretation. Like you can have a description but the viewer can see differently. And that's kind of like one of the beauties of art is however it's taken. And it's just the viewer can see different how than how you see it. So it's just, and it's probably one of the reasons why, but personally the description is smaller because I like how cut and clean and blunt it is, to be honest. Like this is how it is, but still it's all up to you really. What type of role do you feel that the relationship between collectors or the audience and the artists uh, should play when considering, like, what to make or what to display? Ooh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> um, these relationships, they can be interpersonal or just the opposite. Uh, it really just it depends, to be honest, because... Like, as an artist approaching collectors, um, I hope they do see the passion, excitement, and the, uh, what's the word? The intensity I have for, for art, you know? But also when it comes to being collector, like I can be sometimes, I also look for that in their work too. Like, I can see, if I can see your vision, perfect. And I hope they can see my vision as well or anyone else's when it comes to wanting to pick this piece up or retweet this one or give a shout out to this person, you know? So it's just, I think it really just depends on like the, how you view the artist and how the collector views you as well. Do you feel that there is a difference between having like a message that you're specifically trying to communicate with an audience versus having them uh, explore a piece and interpret it for themselves? Mm. Possibly not, because even then, like, you can have a direct description of something and then leave it up to interpretation, because either way, you it's kind of like, okay, I read this description, but then it's like, okay, that's what it is this is how I see it, (laughs) you know, because everyone has their own opinions and stuff. So you can still have a description, but into someone else's eyes, it can be totally opposite. 
but it's either way like you know it's just however it's viewed and however it's taken in even when the artist sees someone else's piece it's like okay you have that but i see this um true yeah it just depends (laughs) no you're no you're totally right so when you put on your viewer slash collector hat and you're looking at artwork for yourself, what do you feel are some of the most important things that um, you look for when, when you are trying to collect or, or uh, like observe a piece or interpret it for yourselves? What are the things that, that, spark, that spark your emotions in other people's artwork? Because mm. right now I'm, I'm thinking of this piece I recently collected from, I can't remember his app, but his name is Phil. And um, this piece, uh, I'm so sorry, I can't remember his ad right now. But Shout you know what I'm Phil. talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, go check him out. He's so cool. Um, his piece, it was more of a storytelling aspect, but it also had ties to, like, in my opinion, like a fantasy ver- a fantasy genre, but I think also in a in a reality sense of like culture as well. And the way it was just made was very majestic and whimsical but it also had a uh you want to know what's going on you want to know more about it and the way it was created was just it made me curious to be honest maybe it wouldn't work if you're curious i want to like see more i want to look into it more okay so something that provokes your your sense of curiosity is is more so what you look for when you're a collector yeah i like being kind of like stimulated that way where I'm like, hmm, like tilted the head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think I understand that entirely. Do you feel that there are any specific um, mediums or styles of art when uh, keeping that this sense of curiosity in mind that, that you generally gravitate towards? Mm, personally, anything illustration, to be honest. <laughs> I love illustration. It's one of my favorite genres of art. But even when it comes to a painterly sense, because um, some paintings are just so, they blow my mind. But either one, paintings or illustration, in terms of like um, social stuff or personal stuff, like it's a whole range of things. And I'm not really sure I'm answering this question properly, but <laughs> illustrations or paintings are kind of like my go-to. Okay. So obviously you have many... Uh creative friends and like mutual artists that you respect and look up to but in a more traditional sense who are some of your favorite illustrators that are not uh typically present on twitter or in the web3 space Mm, the one i think about right now is fiona uh staples she's the artist for this comic called saga and even though she's kind of mainly a comic artist her work is just it's amazing and then there's little thunder I love her work as well. She does more watercolors. Um, and her work is um, based on her culture. But the way she goes about it is very, it's just so cool. I'm and I'm honored by these people and how they go about their creativity, to be honest. Also, one more, one more painter too. Um, Nadine Pierre. Uh, Natalie Pierre. Very cool. Yeah. Natalie Pierre, she, I mean, I, I made a few tweets about her like, over the, for the past two years. But her work is focused on uh, kind of like Renaissance style stuff. Um, her womanhood, blackness, um, and also religious things as well. And her work is just, it's very angelic, but in a sense of like 
figuring out how to be a black person and how to be a woman in this time right now and how to go about your spiritual and religious relationship to anything really. So you started to speak about some of your, uh, well, some challenges that people might experience when they're trying to get their artwork out there or express themselves. Do you feel that there are any main messages or long-term goals or visions that you have for your artwork in terms of a message? Mm. I guess like one message I can think about is probably that I don't really think I have anything to be honest. Um, because I'm my, my message right now is focused on blackness and science fiction, so Afrofuturism. Because when it comes to that concept, um, it puts black people in the future. It puts us beyond um our past situations, our past our basically our history, but not completely because we also include it, but we don't are not tied down to it, we go above and beyond with it. Um and it's like connecting our ancestry and into whoever we are in the future. And I think that's probably my go-to right now. As like, you know, as a black person still trying to figure out how to be black in America, it's especially, you know, knowing what happened all those years ago and what's currently happening now, it's a great way to realize, okay, yeah, <laughs> it's not fun right now, but with this genre of art, it can be pretty great to see us in spaces that we're usually excluded from, you know? Definitely. I, th- I think that's something that um, a lot of a lot of creators can relate to in the space. Um, I really think that that's a, a very powerful message and a powerful meaning to have uh, behind your artwork. Do you feel that there are any contemporary examples of, of friends or artists that you have that, that are doing this uh, well at, at this time? Yes, but I'm so bad with names, man. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I promise <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose. It's okay. I'm like getting my iPad trying to like see who, you know, does that. Um, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to put down Phil, like I mentioned before, I want to say his work is kind of like Afrofuturistic. Um, Sun Ra, he's more of a musician, but he's like the father of Afrofuturism. Um, and there's this painter on my wall i forgot their name they also do paintings and they also do um, music as well i'm so bad with names i'm trying to find (laughs) out who their names are because i see the painting in my head but it's just the name is not coming to me right now (laughs) um and there's also the other artist rambo i think his name their name is um they do these um oil these giant oil portraits they're now focusing on um spray painting i think but they do these giant oil portraits of black people in in the style that's really really cool um did you say they were focused on spray tanning right now no spray painting sorry sorry. (laughs) my brain just had a complete brain i was like how are those things really that's crazy that's an interesting transition a little weird my bad yeah Um, um Oh, yeah. sorry. My bad. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Was there anything else that you had uh, to say about that question before I moved on? Yes. I found the artist's name, uh, Tayham, on, I don't know if they changed their at on Twitter, but on Foundation. I think they have a few paintings still up as well. Their work, I want to say, is like the go-to look for Afrofuturism. And I, I think we have one of their pieces. I'm a huge fan of their work. And yeah, that's like the, like the the vision of Afrofuturism right now, in my opinion. 
is is that what you would classify the majority of your style as as falling under the umbrella of is Afrofuturism? I think right now, yes. Beforehand, okay. not so much. It was more existential, but I think now definitely. I think that's really amazing. I think that the message that you're trying to create of bringing people that you know represent who you are into the future is is a very uh, noble goal and like a very like positive thing to want to add more to or contribute to in any meaningful way and that representation can be huge do you feel that there are any pieces of media that specifically uh exemplify this already or do you feel that this lack of that sort of media is something that you want to see changed in in the eyes and outputs of your contemporaries Mm. um i think there definitely could be more of it it's been around for a long time for decades i want to say probably since probably since the late 1800s, but it's been like a, a slow progression. Um, Cause like I mentioned Sun Ra earlier, he came about more so in the late sixties, um, early seventies, like after the civil rights movement, he, um, cause you know, what was going on that time was not fun for black people. And he identified as black. He was like, I'm not just black. I'm a person of other, I'm a person of the universe. I'm an alien and I'm going to embody that foreignness, but also uniqueness. That's my creativity. And so he focused more on including Egyptian culture, like ancient Egyptian culture, and then parts of African cultures into his work. And like, and he just embodied this um, future, like aspect into who he was. He was a black man, but he was also other in a sense of something that was ethereal and then also majestic as well. That's, again, thank you so much for the, the thought that you've put in your answers. Um, do you feel that when looking at any past Afrofuturism work and present Afrofuturism work, there are common symbols outside of just uh, more representation of different races in the media itself? Mm. Can you rephrase your question, please? <laughs> yeah, no, no, sorry. So do you feel that there are any, like, common themes, symbols, or motif outside of just increasing representation that you have felt have been consistent from uh, the pieces of inspiration you look at all the way through until now that are still being displayed in contemporary examples of this style of work? I think there's all, I think they're all pretty much in line with each other. It's just being rehashed in a way that's new and following different trends of art. Because um, I, I think Afrofuturism does have its own place in the art world, but it also does follow certain trends. Like um, right now, it's more, the digital world is taking it off by storm, right? There's more digital artwork more than ever. So I feel like with that, you do see a lot more digital Afrofuturistic works. All right. And then let's see, aside, aside from uh, the things that you have already mentioned, do you feel that there are any like other specific uh, types of media that influence your work in any particular way or whether it be like a movie or a book you've read? Is there anything that like you really hold on to in terms of when like you're creating or you feel have really had like a profound impact on you outside of just like specific illustrators, painters and their artworks? Hmm. I think music has a really big impact because um, when I'm creating, I listen to the same vibe or concept to really get the creative juices going. So like for the one that you tagged, Apotheosis, 
Um, I listen to <laughs> I listen to a lot of Attack on Titan. <laughs> oh hell year. yeah! Yeah, that show is so good, man. Oh my gosh, and the score blew my mind. Like I listened to that maybe too much to be honest, but it's so good. It's pretty epic. No, it's 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 a pretty intimidating score. That's those are some uh, powerful vibes to be working with. Yeah, it's just because the intensity, because the show is so intense, and I loved it, even though it kind of gave me palpitations. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that entirely. Yeah, then there's just the music, because, like, the point of Apotheosis was to, like, have, like, a, a, a intense moment in that illustration. I wanted to match it. So listening to that score <laughs> and then drawing this, I was like, I was basically buzzing while drawing because a lot was going on, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, when when you're like wrapped up in a piece and you're listening to things that invoke intense feelings, like and you also have stuff on in the background, like it can really create a very intense atmosphere. We don't even realize like how much like either adrenaline or excitement yeah. we're creating until like we're in the middle of it and our heart is shaking. Exactly. It feels like you're glowing, to be honest. Like, if you go, if you're harder, you basically start floating, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, it's it, like, you really, you barely feel present because there's just so much energy in your body. It's like, how can it all be physically contained? Exactly, exactly. So, uh, we've been talking now for about a half hour. Um, for anyone who is here now that has uh, came in late, our interview will be posted on our YouTube channel afterwards, if you want to check that out to see if there's any from black sneakers she's been giving us fantastic answers here we're very grateful for that um do you have anything to comment on when it comes to your um like artistic upbringing is this something that has been a part of you for a long time is this something that is a newer pursuit um talk to us about your like creative start overall in a general sense to sort of reset the room here Mm, okay so I really think because <laughs> the earliest memory I have about you know doing art was in my mom like in my parents bedroom watching tv having one of those like food um table trays in front of you with like a pack of crayons drawing purple and pink horses <laughs> nice and I, yeah I was like I think six or five at the time so I think the, my entire life I've been like a creative in some in some ways at one point, I wanted to be a fashion designer. I had a whole journal of clothes I would have made if I was, you know, able to do so. It's gone now, but <laughs> it was kind of fun to, like, pretend. Uh, at one point, I I started, like, <clears throat> excuse me, started, um, what's the word, writing stories. Like, I wanted to be an author. I even had, like, an author name. I think Maxine Waters. But I think she's a politician. That's kind of weird. She is a politician. <laughs> yeah. Correct. <laughs> Did you did you just come up with that name like randomly one day or was that something that was floating around in your brain? Maybe you heard it somewhere and then you decided to pursue it subconsciously. I think that I think it was a mix of both because <laughs> now okay. I'm older. Okay. I was like, that's a politician. What are you doing? <laughs> No, listen, when I was first drawing my characters, I was sitting there and I was trying to come up with like random names and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I got to Google this to make sure this isn't already <laughs> taken once I felt like I had a name that stuck. So exactly. I with that for sure. <laughs> and yeah, like, so I went through a writing era and then uh, what else? And then I got into a painting era and now I am where I am right now. But I think 
no matter what I was doing throughout my childhood and now it was something creative. I was even in my middle school and high school band. I was in marching band. I didn't do much art in high school, but I was doing music <laughs> and that was pretty, pretty awesome to be honest. So I think no matter what I was doing, I was always creating from the very beginning. Yeah. What instrument were you playing in marching band? I played two instruments. I played the, um, Oh, what's it called? The alto saxophone and then the baritone saxophone. I marched the baritone saxophone. And I'm pretty short. I'm like 5'1", five, 5'1 one, five, one and a half. So marching that giant instrument was a struggle, but it was so cool. I never I never fell too, so it was kind of nice to actually be able to balance that thing while marching backwards and playing heavy notes. <laughs> you know what? That's that is uh that's no that's no easy feat. Marching while I, I was in, you know, I Granted, I dropped out definitely earlier uh, than where you're <laughs> describing, but there were some brief experiences I had just marching with a trumpet, and like that was that was enough for me to be like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna keep doing this, but like a whole <laughs> saxophone, that's impressive. Yeah, it was cool, but I was honestly envious of the trumpets though because they have the best parts in the song. <laughs> you know, they do give a lot of uh, the different melody sections to trumpets in in a lot of music. Yeah. There's some mean saxophone players out there. They can really make that thing like sound very interesting. They do. That's very true. They do a good job. Yeah. So, um, have you ever thought about doing some sort of like mixed media project that incorporates music into your work in any sort? Because I've noticed that you've had some animated pieces. Um, do you believe that you will move on to maybe some large scale, some larger scale, more elaborate animations that involve some other type of music that maybe you have a hand in creating as well? I would really love to. I haven't really thought much about getting back into animating things or including music. But now that you mention it, my brain's like, huh, that could be critical for the future. I'm going to bookmark that for later. But I would love to venture in that kind of thing to include both into my work. That'd be pretty fun to do, actually. Do you have a favorite form of mixed media that you have a desire to create or that you enjoy uh, observing as as a viewer? Mm, I really love seeing um, fabric. And paintings together because it was actually it was a small window between my time at SCAD and um, my my freshman year at the, at the school I currently go, currently go to um, I used to add yarn to my paintings like I would like stitch yarn into the canvas and um, textiles always fascinated me so I think those two together just are so cool to really look at and to see the like anyone else who does textiles to really just get into it and to like because it's really a hands-on art thing to do so it's just like I don't know together they just seem so cool to me so would you say there's a there's a fairly good chance we could see some sort of uh textile like project textile based project from you in the future maybe that one that combines your drive to be a fashion designer and a creative as well Probably because I've been getting back into like drawing uh, designs and stuff. And a part of me really wishes that I took the route into textiles early on, but never too late to do anything you want to do. So maybe we'll see. Give me five more years. We'll get there. <laughs> no, very true. Very true. You are. That's something that I hope everyone in the audience can take away from here tonight is that you are literally never too old to try and learn something new, no matter what it is. So thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. 
No problem. No problem. <laughs> um, I had a question that I wanted to ask before that I'd forgotten about. Um, so you had said that you had also come up with a pseudonym for your writing and you go under a pseudonym in the art world. To what extent do you believe that creating an identity to release your artwork under is important? Or is that something you specifically feel comfortable with because it, it removes any preconceived notions that anyone might have of you before they start engaging with your work? Ooh. It's just something really cool about having an, an alter identity when it comes to creativity. So even though I was like a writer's class politician when I was a kid, and now that I'm a shoe, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I get to have, I get to be black sneakers, but then black sneakers is an artist. She can do whatever she wants under this. And then you have Jasmine and she's pretty great too. But when she's black sneakers, she's literally like glowing. She's literally you know, coming to life as this person, even though they're both two and the same, nothing really much difference to them, but having a art name just really lets you escape into the identity of your art and letting your art speak through you. Basically. That's what I feel. It, it feels like you almost described it as like a superhero identity. You know, it's like, there's really, <laughs> there's really no difference between the two of you, except the name that you're giving for yourself and the like, I guess the uh, the output of the things that you're making, you know, it's it's a very thin line of separation, but just that small level of distinction gives you an like incredible amount of power and freedom. Yeah, pretty much like leveling up, you know. I don't. I'm trying to think of like a video game, but I can't think of anything right now. So like a video game, you're leveling up right now into the person you feel best represents who you are as an artist or as the creator in whatever endeavor you create in. Yeah, I think that I think that that reigns true for a lot of people. And I, um, I can definitely understand how that that like freedom gives you gives you a lot of power. Um, what do you feel like? I, I guess um, this is a fairly general question, but to what extent do you feel is the importance of of everyone having some sort of creative outlet to express themselves? I think that's very important. I especially because, you know, personally for me. I struggle a lot with like, not a lot, but I have had my moments recently with, you know, my mental health taking a left. <laughs> so, um, in, in a way for me is an escape, you know, and some escapisms are not that great, but this one, I really come to life with this. And so for anyone who can, you know, have a creative outlet, whether it be painting, drawing, music, writing, um, or anything else under the art umbrella. It's just, it's really great to have. It lets, you know, it puts you at ease. It lets your soul glow. It lets you just, you know, come at peace, I feel, when it comes to having an endeavor that is creative, that lets, you know, the thoughts you have leave, but put onto something that's beautiful to look at. Right. And you, you say, you use this term, beautiful to look at. Do you feel that... um there is a distinction between, I guess, good art and, and like, bad art in terms of things that are beautiful? Or do you feel that that's something that's always entirely open to interpretation? It's very open to interpretation. That's, like, one of the, the, like the things about art. It's subjective. And, like, that may be a corny thing to say, like, very, you know, common to say or basic, but it's true. I it's subjective. I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's just, it's however you want to take it and however you view it. There's like, it be beauty is the eye of the beholder. So it just really depends. Yeah. 
True that. Um, so do you have any favorite classical works of art, like distinct ones that you feel have like remained beautiful throughout all time? Oh man. Okay. Okay. You're making me pull out the art history. (laughs) You know, Um, you did mention art history before. I'm sorry to bring it out of you, but you did give me permission. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. The one I'm thinking about right now, uh, man, (laughs) like I see them. I'm like, again, I'm so bad with names. Like I see, no, it's, the- a- it's totally fine. <laughs> um, I think the one that stands out the most is the one where the fall of Lucifer. I'm pretty sure I'm saying the name wrong, but that painting, like the look in his eyes, ooh, I don't know, something about it. It was just like the anger, the pain, the rage, but also the sadness in his eyes was is very distinct. Um. And a lot of, um, well, I forgot the name of the, the genre too. I'm forgetting a lot of names tonight. I'm so sorry. But anything that's from the Renaissance and slightly afterwards, the paintings then are so, you know, they really kind of like, they're gut-riching because the artists back then really ca- captured the human emotion because that's what the point of them was to capture human expression and emotion and just the thought processes too of being a human. So... Yeah, I think that one, and then uh, there was one, too. <laughs> I think it's called The Kiss. I can't remember the name of the artist, but um, it was like, the. I, I, I'm so sorry, but the gentleness. Nothing to apologize for. I, I, <laughs> I asked the question. I am the one who is apologizing for putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm the one with that, with like, not forgetting the names. But the gentleness of these two lovers together. It like I'm I hope it's romantic. So like seeing this painting and see how much these two figures in this painting were so intertwined but also gentle with each other while having affections uh, an affection moment with each other. It was very it's very it makes you want to find love and it it's very calming to look at. So paintings like that are just so they move me. I just want to say a quick shout out to Yagami in the audience down there. He is helping. He is telling me the names of certain things that you have referenced. Uh, and he said that you were talking about Gustav Klimt. Klimt. Actually, no, not him. No? <laughs> no. Oh, whoops. Well, then I, I apologize for shouting him out. I'm, I'm upset. No, it's okay. I'm, it's I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Though. I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, man, I'm trying to find the painting. Oh, found it. It's called The Kiss by Francesco Hayes. Hayes, um, created in 1859. Um, that painting, that's the one. Like, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Okay, no problem. Thank you very much for actually finding the name of the artist. I do appreciate that. Um, so I, after asking you these questions about classics, have another question for you. How important do you feel is like studying like the origin points of art or rather like important moments in the history versus organically following the things that inspire you and add to your creative process? Ooh, okay. So Oh, did you rug? Did I rug? Oh, someone clap if, if you can hear my voice. Clap. Oh, okay. 
All right, I can hear I can hear you, but I can't hear black sneakers right now. She may be rugged. Hmm. How should we go about this? Um, black sneakers, would you maybe, uh, wait, can you try speaking again? I cannot hear anything. Um, all right. Maybe if you wouldn't mind leaving and coming back, uh, I have a couple requests from, oh, wait, there we go. Hello? Now? Are we back? Can you hear me now? Okay. Yes, yes we're good. I don't know what that was. Sorry for the technical difficulty. <laughs> no, it happens. It happens. We had it happen with Sondon last, last week or the week before that, and I guess it's a problem that will not be uh, an isolated incident. I blame Mercury and Richard Gage, to be honest, but that's whatever. <laughs> I blame everything. Shadow <laughs> period. <laughs> All right, uh, we have a couple, we are winding down with time here. We have a request from Yagami. Uh, we are going to bring them up and we will have them ask their question for us here. Cool. Uh, so if you're cool with that, I'm going to open the floor up to any other requests. Um, anyone else is free to request at this time if you have a question uh, for Black Sneakers, so long as they are cool with accepting audience questions. Yeah, go for it. Ask me some right. stuff. Just connecting. Okay. Hi, Yaga. Still got... Man, a lot of spin wheels of death tonight. I know, right? <laughs> Horrible. Is that shadow period? <laughs> no, you're not kidding, you know? Not everyone is into astrology, but I'm someone who, who pays at least enough attention of it to know what's going on. And That's Mercury good. Or- Always one of the most annoying periods, for sure. Yeah, this one, too, was very intense, I feel. It was a very intense It was time. short, but it was intense. What the hell was that? Yeah, <laughs> a lot went down, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, no, always a, always a good reflectionary period, but uh, also a lot of lessons get thrown at you real quick from all angles. Yeah, like, it's necessary, but also kind of like whiplash almost. Like, okay, hold on, let me breathe for a second. <laughs> No, absolutely. You're like, can I have a break, please, as a treat? Like, just <laughs> one break, one day. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, like, I- Hi, Yaga. Hey. What's up? Sorry, that was a lot of a lot of chaos. Those little two minutes. <laughs> yeah, a lot of connection issues. No. Um, just really glad I tuned in to Sneaker's uh, story because I think we have a lot of similarities, and I have a very specific question I have to ask, but. I just wanted to give you props for just the amount of knowledge that you have. I know a lot of the times like student artists typically tend to one side of the overall art world, um, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, the whole aspect of history and what things mean to us and what we kind of try to do with that, um, especially with the whole 
be inspired by like classical movements and periods. Um, and my my apology for about the Gustav Klimt. Uh, he does have a painting <laughs> called The Kiss, but yeah. I know that you're talking about the kiss with the bags over the heads. Um, so I was like, ah, oh, there's a lot of paintings called The Kiss. So I took my chances. On yeah. That. <laughs> you get a pass, okay. Yaga. That, they're, they're, it's a very popular title. Yeah, I yeah. promise I know my history, okay? <laughs> I know. I was, I was just messing with you. You're totally good. Nah. But um, relating back to what I was saying, um, SCAD was also a dream school of mine. Um, I actually got accepted to it, but I couldn't go because it was super expensive. Yeah. But in the back of my head, I've always thought about the question of, what kind of artist would I be if I was able to attend SCAD instead of the other university that I went to? And I was going to ask mm-hmm. you if you feel that the schools that you're going to have a significant impact on the type of art you create or how you view yourself as an artist. Because I myself dropped out of school because I didn't feel that I was finding my true purpose as an artist. And I've mm-hmm. learned, like learned over the years that what I've done outside of school has mattered significantly more to what I've done in school. So I just wanted your insights and like your emotions towards that. Well, first of all, congratulations on getting accepted into SCAD. It's just getting into the art school of your dreams. It's just, it's really nice. And um, I totally get what you're saying too, because even though I did go I blossomed at the school I am now because it's an HBCU and the like I said, the program's a lot smaller. Um, so we're a lot more closer. It's a lot more intimate. I feel more connected to these people than I ever did at SCAD, even though it was only freshman year. Um, and like the school I, I go to right now, I'm going to say it too, NCANT in North Carolina, one of the, like the best HBCUs in the country, in my opinion, but that's probably biased. But <laughs> uh, I definitely, I think the course like being in this program has definitely had an aid in how I create right now. Um, and also too, it's just, I get to work with people and go to class with these people who are really into what they're doing. Um, and the community here in, in Greensboro in general, they're all about art. Art is everywhere downtown. It's everywhere. I got to be a part of a few public art projects too. So it's just, you get to leave, live, breathe and eat art here in this town. And it's great. So I think definitely coming to the school was a good choice and it definitely um, pointed my art in a really good direction. Thanks for asking. All right, guys, we're rounding it up to an hour here. If anybody else has any other questions, please feel free to ask. Uh, Yaga, thank you for coming up. Black Sneakers, thank you for being here. I could definitely continue this conversation for quite some time. You've given us great answers, a lot to talk about here. Um, is there anything else that you personally feel that you haven't had the opportunity to speak about that you were itching to get off your chest or share artistically or creatively? Um, honestly, not right now. <laughs> All right. Well, then yeah. I will ask you one of my favorite questions. If you could collaborate with any artist living or dead, from oh, gosh. Artist, who would you want to work with and what would you want to do? Man, that's a really tough question. <laughs> I'm so, I know. Well, that's why I like asking it. I feel like I like seeing people's responses to it. Hmm. I personally think I would love to work 
with Natalie Pierre. I like she's my favorite painter of all time right now. And maybe till the day I die. So <laughs> if I got to work with her on a piece, like something physical and gigantic and like in your face, I would love that so much. That sounds fantastic. Um, do you so with that response, do you have a preference of large scale versus small scale? Do you feel more comfortable working with either? Do you feel that it's a uh, variable thing that you approach differently for different pieces? What are your thoughts on scale in general? Mm, I, something about bigger canvases or different or bigger surfaces, it just it leaves more room to, to do whatever you want to be honest. I love a big canvas. Like, if I could, I would work on 60 by 60 canvas, but I had no space in my house. So maybe one day. Um, but something about bigger the canvas, like, the more crazy the piece can be or more room you have to do whatever you want with it. So, yeah, that's my go-to. So if you had unlimited budget for an unlimited space for what you want to do, what would you want to do? Oh gosh, <laughs> I would I would paint just something. I don't know, man. Just if a big ass surface, something huge that would like take time to do. Like I want my sweat, my blood, sweat, and tears to be in this piece. If I had like the budget to do the biggest thing ever, to be honest. Hell yeah, I think that's a very great answer. Um, we actually had Cliff come up, and Yaga has his hand up. So Yaga, if you have a question, please feel free to ask, and then we'll go over to Cliff. I just had a quick comment uh, before I hop down. I forgot what I was talking, but uh, Sneaker did mention about color theory. I'm a big fan of it myself. And mm -hmm. she did say that orange and blue complementaries are the best. And, you know, that made me like her like a thousand times better because <laughs> I personally believe those two compliments are the best thing ever. And if you think otherwise, then you are not an artist. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, nah, I love that. And I'm a big fan of your, your color usage. Um, color can either be like super simple or, you know, color theory is extremely complicated. Um, but big, big fan of how you use your colors to manipulate your space. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all. Thank you. I'm also glad that you like color theory. It's just, it's so cool. It's an amazing thing. Orange and blue is the best. They're right. Don't like it. We got issues. We got problems, but that's okay. <laughs> In terms of contrast, I, I, I think I might have to agree. I think the power of, of blue versus orange is always very cool. Um, even if my favorite color combo is usually like yellow pink. I'm I'm big on like tropical. Yes, things. sir. Not the thumbs no. down. Yellow. Nah, I got, I got too classic. <laughs> I mean, we you know what? Them. You go for it. I have no opinions. I do, but I'm not gonna share them. <laughs> you kind of just did. <laughs> yeah, you, you said enough without saying enough. <laughs> Cliff, Cliff, what do you got to say? Well, I was just coming up here saying this. Uh, oh, it space says he's still connecting. Awesome. Oh, you can't hear Cliff? Wait, you can't hear me? No. What's oh, that? no. He can no. hear you, but you can't hear him. He was just saying how cool you were. Oh, Cliff, you're the coolest. What do you mean? <laughs> Wait, let me reconnect and come back. He's, he's going to reconnect and then come back. Okay. Always, always happy to hear from Cliff. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool. 
Cliff, Cliff's a, good, a, a great guy. I'm a big, big Cliff fan over here and all the goobers. All right, we got one request. Oh, it's Cliff. <laughs> all right, go for it, Cliff. Here, Let's hear this time. Sneakers, can you hear him? It says connecting again. No, no. Yeah. Cliff, it's happening again. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just tell Let's her. Because y'all going to be in Cliff to switch. So maybe he's, I can hear him in a second. Let's we'll see. Hello. Hello, Cliff. You hear me? I can hear you. I, I think I'm the only one who can hear. I think the crowd can hear you, but yeah. black sneakers can just some fun technical issues. I love All this. Right, well, oh, that's messed up. <laughs> I was just, I'm just going to say, uh, this was a dope space. Uh, it was really dope learning about. Um, like, I see everyone, like, clapping in the about. audience. And I'm just like, <laughs> what does that mean? They, it's a dope space, and he really loved learning about your process. Yeah. Oh, and, thanks, uh, also, uh, Shout out to you for uh, mentioning that Attack on Titan soundtrack. Like, okay, so. He said, shout out to you for Attack on Titan. Yeah, it's a great anime. It's, it's a, a great ass anime. No, yeah. I also want to say too, thank you for being part of my art prompt the first day. That really made my day, and the piece you did was so beautiful. So I thank you so much for that, dude. Thank you. Nah, thank you for the prompt. You said thank you for the prompt. <laughs> okay. But yeah, All right, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties. Yeah, so cringe. I'm sort of trying to be like a, a translator, like a through point for Cliff to, yeah. to message across. In the digital okay. age, bro, this is happening. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. in in this, this so year of 2022, how are we having these technical issues? I'm telling you, it's the shadow direct right now. <laughs> it, it, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> Um, all right, so again, if anybody has any final uh, parting words, questions, anything that they want to say, uh, please come up now or forever hold your peace. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm not sure if I have any more uh, pending questions, but I can always come up with a couple on the spot. Um, but if no one else has anything to say, uh, Black Sneakers, you're free to give us your clothing closing statements on... Oh, we got we got a request. Here we go. Cool. Perfect. Oh, we got another one. Yay. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to say shout out Black Sneakers. Real shit. That's it. Thank you so much. I think we have our last person connecting. Whenever you're ready, feel free to ask your question or say whatever it is you got to oh, say. Oh, no. I was just saying, because um, I was listening to what Yago was saying about the color theory. And I seen, I oh, saw. I, I don't think I can hear them either. Again? Oh, man. Maybe I should leave and come back. <laughs> no, you know, we're so, I feel like we're so close to the end here. We're, we're going to rug and then, and then you're going to leave and then it's, it'll be over in one minute. But if, oh, if you really no. want to. If you want to, you're free to try one more time if you want. Okay, I think I'll try because I really want to hear the questions. <laughs> like, right, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll smoke the hookah on stage while we wait. Um, Perfect. You know what I'm saying? What's up, ATM? What's up, Cliff? 
Yeah. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> but, crazy, you know what I'm saying? I got the little oh he just blew all that hookah in our face. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not rude, bro. <laughs> I can hear y'all now. Great. Strawberry. <laughs> Hooray. I was about to say strawberries going crazy. Uh, you know, I'm gonna put that the hashish in there right now. All right, but uh, hey, what's up? Hey, <laughs> yo, finally. Yeah, no, no. I was about to say, um, yeah, I completely get you guys with the color theory thing. I, I actually got um, my boy Tetra, uh, who's down in the listeners, actually showed me your art like a week ago. Mm. And I was like, no, this is so vibrant. <laughs> this is so vibrant. This is so nice. <laughs> this is so complex. So I just wanted to give you your flowers. Uh, like, I don't really see much of you on on the timeline. I just followed you now so I can see more of you. But it was just, I wanted to give flowers. And yes, the blue and orange combo is that bitch. It's in my PFP, too. So yes, <laughs> yes. All right. I just wanted to say that real quick. Thank you. I was even noticing too, like after you said orange and blue, I was looking like you're happy. You got the orange and blue in there, so you get it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. but yeah, thanks for the follow and you know for appreciating the art. That's great, and I really appreciate it. All right. Well, I'm, we're not gonna we're not gonna end it just on on you coming back in one second. So let's <laughs> let's ask, let's ask one one or two more questions, and then we'll wrap things up here. Okay. Have you watched any pieces of media specifically that you feel excited to incorporate into future pieces of your artwork? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say nope. <laughs> I watched that when it came out, and like that's been in my brain since then. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but if if you've seen the ending, that's like what I want to like focus on. So that movie was just like it was so cool to to look at. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I. I'm a big Jordan Peele fan. I like his movie style a lot. I think mm-hmm. the way he uh, tells his stories is is very thought provoking and very uh, novel in a lot of ways. I was a really big fan of uh, Us. Yes. Oh my gosh. Really good movie. I can't finish it though. I got scared, so I paused it. I want a sequel to that one. It was so good. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Have you watched him host the Twilight Zone? No, like, I know he made a remake of it, and it was on, like, NBC for a while, but I haven't watched his version yet. Yeah, I think it was on Peacock, so, like, only, like, 54 people watched it. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, those streaming services, that's how they get you, you know? All the exclusive content and all the different platforms these days, it can be overwhelming. It really can. It really can. So in that sense of, of talking about over uh, getting overwhelmed, is that something that you ever like grapple with in terms of your artwork or media influence? And how do you deal with that? The feeling of being overwhelmed maybe by like influences or, or media in general? I take a break. I take a good break with it for a few days um, because I'm like I'm a sensitive person to a lot of things so I can easily get overwhelmed. And when I do, I kind of like, I either kind of shut down or I just move away from anything that's causing, you know, me to feel so much, to be honest. It just, it gets a lot sometimes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think on that note of taking a break. No, no, wait. I got a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's your uh, favorite song or favorite uh, 
Yeah, favorite song from the AOT score. Ooh, okay, okay. I got several, but let's go. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> I think the Before the Lights, either the orchestral version or the vocal version. I love that song Ooh. a lot. And then Barricades. Like, I was in the car banging my head to that song. But then the one for season four, that theme song, I can't pronounce the name, but you know what I'm talking about. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then Rumbling. Wow. Because <laughs> I remember, like, me and a few friends were, like, constantly blasting that song. And, like, we're, I think we we're on FaceTime one point and just singing, like, Rumbling, Rumbling over and over again. It was fun. Yeah. Hell yeah, I really love a uh, Vogel in Config. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but that one, that one yeah. it feels like ethereal, bro. It does. It's a good choice. A good choice. It's just a really good score. It's really great. Uh, shout out Hiroki Hiroyuki. He's a god. Have you listened to like his other stuff? I have not, but I watched you the. Have uh... to. Okay, I will now. I will because <laughs> he's a genius. So if you For say he's a genius, real. I believe you. Yeah. All right. Hold, hold, hold on, brother. Hold on, brother. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't. I, I, honestly, I love this. The fact that it's. I was only trying to wrap it up just because she said, take a break. And I was like, okay, this is a great way to end it. Take a break, everyone. Go enjoy your Friday night. But if we're going to keep rolling, that's totally cool with me as long as Black Sneakers is fine contributing more time to us. I'm totally cool with it. Let's go. Keep it rolling. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> So I'm hitting you with the heavy hitters. Um, <laughs> so, what was your favorite cereal growing up? Man, that's a tough ass question, bro. Hold on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's, it puts sweat on your on your forehead, right? Yeah, a little right. bit. I'm kind of nervous now. <laughs> Be careful with your answer. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I want to say, can I do like top three? Yeah. Okay. Top three. I get a little room to like, you know, so I won't, you know, get, you know, but uh, probably Frosted Flakes is is like number two. (laughs) Number three is uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And number one, uh, number one is probably, what's that one with? Yellow pebbles, fruity pebbles. No, no. it's like kicks. Oh wait, you're no. talking about the uh, that one, the honeycombs. Wait, no, no. The... Oh, ew, no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's, uh, Lift it's it out of here. Pops? Was it pops? <laughs> yes, corn pops. Yes. Okay, so I just wanted to say real quick, I wanted to see if the art matched the palette because. <laughs> I was hoping that you weren't gonna say uh, raisin bran. Oh um, no! Like, hey yo, yo, listen, <laughs> don't, don't listen. Don't slander raisin bran. Don't slander raisin. Oh, ATM. Nah, why, that listen, is... bro. That's why your color theory is a theory is red and black. That's evil. Um, okay, first of <laughs> hey, all, you don't you can be an adult and like raisin bran. If you're a child voluntarily reaching for the raisin bran, we can all give you a weird look. All right. Exactly. And, and plus, you don't even know where I came from, buddy. I was all over the color wheel. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tim, you got it. <laughs> oh, 
I just, you know, we was talking about AOT earlier, and I wanted to ask, like, is Aaron the GOAT or not? Oh, hold on. I mean, he's questionable, but it's interesting. Are you following him into battle, or are you running away? I'm running away. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. That's what I needed to know. Yeah. I mean, he looks good, but I'm running away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, We didn't... All right, I'm sorry, not we, because I don't know anybody here except for like two people. <laughs> um, but Burrito Dow didn't open up for for Black Seekers to receive slander. Um, I think there might be an issue. <laughs> if we start slandering, I'm muting people. I will. I will accept that privilege. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just we just gotta make sure every everybody knows the boundaries here, right? This is slander free space. Uh, of, any, way, of anyone that's on stage, you can pick on listeners that can't defend themselves, but no one that's up on stage. By the way, I will say creatively, my palate, um, I don't know why, but I feel like Sim and Toast Crunch just started tasting worse as we got older. Yeah, actually, yeah, it hurts, honestly. What? Yeah. You got, got, no, 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 okay. y'all tripping. Yeah. You got to eat it at night. Cliff, exactly. I respect Cereal is the dessert as you get older. Exactly. Yeah. At 12 a.m., 1 a.m., when you're thirsty, but you're also hungry, that's at his spot. See, like, oh. the problem is I have to eat cereal with whole milk, and doing that is like shoveling uh, plutonium right into my... Not the plutonium. You're eating cereal. It's not that elaborate. <laughs> Listen, Cliff, man, I respect your creative choices, man, but the cinnamon toast crunch, I'm not hitting that one first at night. I'm hitting the frosted flakes at night. Listen, no. Cliff almost defended Raisin Bran before. I'm not going to expect <laughs> nah, that. No, nah, no, nah, no. I thought this was a slander-free space. No, it's not. You know what? We lied I mean, when it comes to Raisin Bran, about... that is questionable. So I'm giving you the side eye right now. I'm not going to lie. This is all recorded, too. I'm going to get some sound bites about this that one. Honey Bunches of Oats, bro. Oh, <laughs> Honey Bunches of Oats is delicious. Oh, You're right. Yes, You're right. You're right. No comment. Oh, brother. Whoa. All right. Time, it's time it's time to shut the space down <laughs> <It's time> to- <laughs> all right so i got one more question now uh while you're working do you have a specific snack that keeps you uh full while you're while you're getting stuff done uh it's either like the miniature unwrapped kit kat like cold i prefer all my candy cold same so put, that's, a mature, a- that's a mature play right there i'm gonna exactly. give you props for that specifically I'm glad you agree. It's so much better cold. Even gummies are better cold. So it's either that or I just chew mint gum because I like to be like move around when I'm when I'm doing something else. So no, yeah. I do the same thing. I'm restless. I have severe ADHD. So sometimes <laughs> I'll just be like bored and I'll be like, I'm just going to chew a piece of gum. Exactly. It keeps you like, you know, stimulated. It helps. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we love stimming here. It's, it's something that uh, I think we can all get behind. Making sure that we're occupied while we're doing our tasks is, is a big thing. Exactly. <laughs> all right. We had Greta come up. Greta, if there's anything uh, you specifically wanted to ask, you have the floor. Hi, Jack. Greta. Hi. That's my girl right there. I wanted to ask you. If you're speaking, I cannot hear you. I'm sorry. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I, I want to scream. Okay. <laughs> Can you really? 
She definitely can't hear you. You can you okay. can relay one question through me, and I okay. I will ask her because I think you can hear her. She just can't hear you. Um, I really can't hear you. I'm so sorry. What's honey. your? <laughs> is there like any book that has inspired your work, or is there any book that has inspired your work, Black Sneakers? <gasps> oh, I'm so glad you asked, Greta. Oh, I love you. Um, <laughs> I personally think there's no book. <laughs> that has inspired my art right now <laughs> but it's a good question what? you need to read dune <laughs> Wait, no 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 listen glad. i tried reading dune i couldn't yeah, i couldn't yeah, yeah i tried reading dune to it yeah, yeah i couldn't like it has oh, a whole dictionary in the back come on okay but you would I like listening to Dune. you would like the book it's a Ender's little game. Dry. have you read ender's game yes have you read i think it's called the wall i have not I'll send you some book recommendations. Okay, please do. Because <laughs> right now I'm reading this one book called Dark Matter. And I, I do think it's going to help me you know with my art right now. Because it is the, on the sci-fi spectrum right now. But it's a really good book. Y'all should go read it too. It's really good. All right. Does anybody have any, any last questions? This is the last, this is last call for any questions. Um. All right. Uh... Let me get the last. Well, I'm not gonna get the last one. I'm gonna get second to last word. Um, <laughs> honey bunches of oats Ew. is some mid. And <laughs> we just gonna we just gonna just have close, to just close it, man. Just close. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get slandered tonight in a new in another space. I already know, but I just want to let you know I'm not afraid of you. Tonight there's gonna be a space about cereal, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you like honey bunches of oats. Good for you. Go be great with your lavender. That's okay. Oh, go and eat it with some bananas. The real ones, though. Oh. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all right, we're gonna, all right, we're going to shut down the space now, I think. I got to start muting people here. Produce head out. All right. We out. All right. Black Sneakers, thank you so much for being here. Everyone who came up, thank you so much for contributing. If you missed anything, tuned in late. Our interview will be reposted to our YouTube channel. We've been streaming it the whole time. Uh... If anyone that is an artist here that would like to potentially be interviewed, please feel free to reach out to the Burrito Dow uh, DMs. We would love to get in touch with you. Thank you so much for spending your Friday night with us. If there's nothing else, uh, thank you so much again, and everyone have a great night. Thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing so much with us, Black Sneakers. We all really appreciated it. This was a fantastic space. <laughs>